0: Hey there, Cheat Code gang, coming to you live again from Cheat Code Studio with another episode on perfecting content operations. And boy, howdy, do we have a heavy hitter for you today. As you know by now, I am Jack's disembodied voice, aka Sam Chapman, resident content cowboy, hero to primo, joined as always by our host and CMO, Ed Brielle. Ed, who's dropping knowledge for us today? Sam, we have Kathy McKnight. For some, she needs
1: No introduction. She's definitely an OG pioneer to the content ops space. I want to go out there and say she was one of those folks that actually defined it and we're all moving into it. She's the chief problem solver at the content advisory.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen Kathy speak live. You know, we were just on the scene with her at Content Marketing World, but the one thing I love about Kathy is you can always count on her for that actionable intel, whether it's about process, organizational readiness, setting content strategy you know you follow her on linkedin she's just always giving that stuff away and it's just it's really refreshing to see somebody that's got that much experience just readily give that out there so i'm really excited just from from a personal and professional perspective to, to listen in today
1: absolutely i mean she's a, a teacher a trainer someone who has the frameworks uh, when we did talk with her earlier she had three hours of material she condensed it down to two hours i can't say enough about the talk with her today and some things to listen for. She's actually been known to speak dolphin. Uh, some of us uh-huh. can relate to that. And I'm excited for the folks to, to give this one a listen. Well, sounds
0: good. Let's get into it and I will catch you on the flip side. Here we go.
1: Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. My name is Ed Brealt, a CMO at A Primo and host of Marketing Cheat Codes. I am ridiculously energized today to have Kathy McKnight on. Um, Kathy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I followed your work, your um, your advisory over the years, uh, your your analyst brain, your works you've put out there, and then you know more recently your um, your role at the content advisory, what you're doing to help shape brands, man, do these brands need help? And you've got a, a podcast that I think is super cool. We should talk about as well, Uncharted Journeys podcast. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ed.
2: This is exciting. I'm uh, I'm glad to be a part of it.
1: Very cool. Yeah, thank you. I know uh, we wanted to uh, get this going, and uh, and here we are. So. So Kathy, I know you like extremely well. And if anybody Googles you, they're going to find you. Um, But put a little bit of career arc out there on you, your, um, your, uh, your journey to this world of content, content, strategy, advisory, what got you here. And then give me some along that way, some of those like inflection points of your career that where you knew this was. It, they were like the leading indicators of getting you here. Tell me a little bit about you.
2: Yeah, so I have not taken the straight and narrow path. Um, I my career has definitely been zigzaggy from the time I started university, where I was going to go to med school, to finding out that oh, wow. what do you what do you mean? Arts students only take fifteen hours of classes a week. What? Hey, I'm all <laughs> down for that. Switch. Yeah. Um, and um started off in internal comms for a, a tech startup. Uh, I was the first non- nepotism hire, which was interesting, also the only woman, um, which have been some trends in awesome. my in, in my career. Um, if anybody is looking to have their company acquired, hire me because it's happened four times throughout my career. <laughs> i've I've moved yeah. from I've I, I know my space, which is small org. Um, and so when my small orgs get acquired by big orgs, I moved to another small org. And then just sequentially, it just kept happening four times. I went through acquisitions, mm-hmm. um, but internal comms, uh, content tech from the early days, um, back in yeah. the days of, um, really small ones that no longer exist anymore and uh, really found my niche. So I went from internal comms to actually SAP consulting. So I was an SAP consultant and learned to code SAP. I was uh, one of Canada's first CRM um, SAP consultants certified uh, back in the day when CRM people are like, what does that stand for? Um, Yeah. And uh, just found my niche. I just I I had a boss who used to talk about tell our clients that um, I spoke dolphin. I'm not sure he always meant it as a compliment, but meaning <laughs> that I could I could take that technology and the business side of things and translate for each other, each side of the room. So really, just- you know, consulting was great for me because I was able to to take those two teams that typically are at odds with each other or have been and find the common ground and really translate what one was needing and what the other one needed to deliver and, and, and move things forward. So being able to work with organizations and see things happen and help them enable them to, to do the best they can is, is really what's driven me, driven me through, um, most of my career.
1: Yeah. You've got some, you've gained some superpowers in there as well. Like that idea that, um, speaking dolphin, I've never heard it Positioned like that, but yet yeah, those who can translate, um, we'll call it, uh, or in yeah, translate business technology, even like qualitative and quantitative data, those, that sort of dolphin translation um, is an extreme superpower and definite cheat code. Um, in that, I'm pretty sure also like your ERP experience there. If, if you people haven't had erp experience like to understand complexity and then oh. what's really really complex but then in our world today of you know leading with simplicity like you've seen the complex plus the translation and that that's like has to be two cheat codes and superpowers you you put on your under your belt there
2: yeah. And, you know, that's exactly why I went into um, SAP consulting and, and it was, I was, you know, like I said, I was, a, I was at a startup. I was doing all things content. So public relations, internal comms, government relations, RFP responses, and we're, we responded to government RFPs. So we're not talking, you know, 20, 30 pages. I'm talking three, two inch ring binders times six because, of course, you have to send yeah. them six versions of everything, right? Um, and so I really felt that I needed to better understand business and how it works and how things work together. And hands down, my my five or six years of doing SAP consulting where I, 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 I was certified in, in sales and distribution and CRM, but having to work with accounting and materials management and logistics and all you know all of those things um, and understanding how what I did impacted other teams and the, de- the dependencies and co and and codependencies of each of the things really helped me broaden my business acumen and understand that you know if even though you're only focused and tasked with one part you've got to understand the whole and that's one of the mm-hmm. things that I've taken with me whether I'm working for a company, I've, I've done my time at, you know, the IBMs and the PWCs of the world, as well as, you know, some, some other uh, big name companies. But with, with every company that I go into as a consultant, I, as much as I can, learn their business. So n- by no means am I an expert. I mean, we've worked with financial services and healthcare and um, chemical companies and whatnot, but I really try and immerse myself and understand who they are as an organization before we go in so that when they start talking about how they want to connect with their audiences, I understand where they're coming from.
1: Yeah, that, that cultivation of various models and frameworks, mental models, probably uh, design models, and then, um, you know, in so doing this, you've developed this, I'll call it like, um, enterprise mindset ability which now, I mean, we're going to start talking about content and put that right at the heart of the conversation, but having an enterprise mindset when it comes to content creation, production, building of audiences, as you've mentioned, that background of complexity and not just system technical complexity, but then organizational global levels um, has very likely formulated some of these like successful playbooks that you have right now And then um, you were also talking about your time as an analyst and um, sort of understanding landscapes of then technologies. How did you get into, evolve into that?
2: So that came quite organically, actually. So I had actually moved out of the... technology space, so to speak. I I was doing um, consulting uh, with companies, helping them from an internal perspective, their intranets. So doing all things in technology selection, um, helping them with their information architectures, wireframes, selection of technology, all of those things. And then moved over to work with Aon Hewitt for a couple of years where I was their innovation lead. So I was hired to help them pull the HR world, kicking and screaming as it was, out of the world of paper and desk drops into the world of microsites and intranets and using the web and digital and social. Um, And when I say kicking and screaming, it was not only the companies we worked with, it was also my team. Um, they'd been doing this their way for a long time, and was not <laughs> what they were after. Um, in any case, so an opportunity uh, presented itself. Um, I got connected with with someone who was starting up an um, an agency, and they were looking for a uh, consulting and, and uh, analyst agency, and they were looking for a partner. Um, and it was exactly my sweet spot. It was the the dawn of the customer experience era. We were talking about doing it differently. You know, there's the foresters, gardeners, IDCs of the world. We weren't looking to yeah. to take them over and, and surpass them by any stretch. We came at it very much that you know there are there are great technologies out there, and why they don't work is because the agencies and the teams that are doing the implementation aren't aren't ready to do them, aren't the right fit, etc. So very much mm-hmm. accepting vendors as they are and what they can do. Uh, rarely do I hear them say. You know, including a primo, say that they can do something that the technology can't. How it works is very dependent on how it's implemented and rolled out and the adoption of it. So we focused on that. So I really got a chance to dig in deep, not only on the technical side of things with vendors, focusing on content management, marketing automation, digital digital, ad, on, digital asset management, but I also got to learn the other side of the fence, the agencies that implement them, how they worked, what they did um and right. bringing that together particularly from a customer experience perspective not so much from i mean it was it was laden in content but it was really about delivering that experience very early on so this was 2011 and like i said it was the dawn of cx we didn't even it wasn't even cx yet they were still trying to decide what the acronym was going to be right yeah. um so you know i i since then so it's it's been more than 10 years now where you know that's what i've done i've helped not only the vendors look at what they're doing because often they're so far ahead of what their audiences can handle. Um, so yeah. making sure that 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 they present that vision, but they're still focused on improving what people need today, not just you know that future. God, I can't wait till I get there.
1: Yeah, exactly. You'll never get there if you can't give them what they need. To eventually get there, there there's always. I love what you you hit on this sort of organizational readiness aspect to things, to taking on new initiatives or change or technologies, strategies. It's almost like hold up, you know, slow down. Are you even ready for this? Let's figure it out. It's like when you go to um, a mall, right? And it's like a the you are or um, a a theme park. It's like you are here. You need to get that as an organization, yes. you know, to really understand. So like, I want to, I want to, you know, do Magic Mountain or whatever. Okay, well, you're two miles away in the park. You're not going to get there in, you know, thirty seconds. So this idea of front ending with um, health checks and readiness, and that's also been a big part of your, uh, when you think about the the look before you leap strategy, especially with like business and content changes. That's been something that you're. Would you say you're an advocate for that? That's part of very strongly part of your playbook. Um, Definitely. The other side is it going to elongate value realized or it's going to assure value realized? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
2: You have to be ready. So, you know, everybody wants to jump to the fun stuff. Everybody wants to start using the tech right away. And I think, you know, for those those vendors that say, oh yeah, you can, you know, if it's a marketing automation platform, you can send your first email within two hours. Well, yeah, you can, but it's all manual and it's not connected and there's no measurement and there's no logic behind it, but you can do it, but why would you? And so making sure that the organization is ready from um, a process perspective. So how do your processes work today? Do you have processes? And by the way, you know, Susan's sending an email to Sam, sending it to Joe and then back to Sam and then you know, over to Nancy and then back to Susan. That's not a process. That's just email. Um, so knowing what your processes are, how they can be improved, setting a strategy, the number of organizations that we go into that think they have a content strategy, but actually don't, and don't have, yeah. and even fewer have a technology strategy to support that content strategy, right? So, um, content is, is so easy to get now. And when I say get, you know, that's you get you get frustrated as a as a content team member wherever you are on the food chain of that and you go oh you know what it's just easier i'm going to spend the 35 dollars a month to buy the tool myself i'll pay it i'm not even going to expense it i'm going to use that nobody knows about this tool they're creating organizational assets that are branded and you know belong to the organization completely outside the ecosystem the technology ecosystem yeah. and nobody's aware of it. So it's really getting you know, the proverbial ducks in a row, but once you've mm-hmm. got them in a row, you have to keep them in a row. So it's not a one and done, right. which again, even for those who do it, those who do it, that's often the challenge, right? They'll do it once. Documentation happens once. Governance documentation happens ro- once. Roles and responsibilities get written down once. Process gets engineered once. And then one and done and they're, you know, they're moving forward. Those are living, breathing things that need to evolve alongside content and content marketing within an organization.
1: Yeah. That continuous learning environment, so to speak. And it's, it's just the beginning and then everything can be improved, evolves over time, finding the one percent because everything is, everything is changing around it. So it cannot have this stagnant state of definition that, this is a this is awesome sort of foreshadowing. We're going to get to content topics, and okay. I'm really excited to have you on okay. as a as an expert. But one more question about you, and you just and brought this up. Uh, you mentioned that you are often the only woman in the room uh, in a lot of your uh, roles that you've had. You know, math, science, some of these you know STEM um, disciplines. I have three daughters, and I always and look and want to find uh, strong uh, female role models, examples for them to see themselves in. Um, and so this is extremely important uh, for me, obviously, um, our culture, our society. What's it like to, when growing up or, you know, moving in your career, early days, so, so to speak, and then even today, that experience of sometimes being the only woman in the room, um at a, in a business setting? Well, I'm
2: happy to say that it's evolved immensely. Um, as I mentioned, the startup that I worked at, I was the first and only woman in an automotive, automotive-based automotive technology firm. So you can imagine not to cast generalizations, but I'm gonna cast generalizations. Um, and it was tough. And you know, I am not one to shy away for standing up for myself or for others. Um, And it took a lot of that, but it can be really tiring. And I, as a, you know, my personality is, is one of help, right? If, if I can help things move faster, better, stronger, even if it's not my job, I'm going to do it if it doesn't impinge me doing my job, right? I'm obviously I'm going to do my tasks first, but so, you know, I'm okay to pitch in and that's to the point of, you know, I'm in meetings where again, I may be the only woman or there may be one other person in the room. And if I'm getting up to get myself a cup of tea, I'm going to say, Hey, does anybody else want a cup of tea or coffee? Not because I'm a woman and I, but because I'm helpful and I get judged by that. I, I it it lowers me down. So I've had this conflict where I've had to sometimes yeah. battle against my nature of, of equality and sharing and and doing good things and nice things for other people to to make sure that there's not a misconception of of my capabilities and that I'm not perceived uh-huh. as the helper right and i can remember one instance where i you know i i managed i've had a couple of opportunities to run consulting practices teams and so myself and and two of my team members who happened to be men walked into a room one of them happened to be older than i was Um, and the people, the client in the room immediately started talking to him and he didn't know what to do. He's like, because he didn't, he didn't have the skills to answer the question. Like this person went straight into like asking some pretty hard hitting questions and strategy things where if you answer it the wrong way, you're done kind of thing. And it was really interesting because I, I, I took a step back to see what, what this individual would do. and you know, he, he was really at a miss and didn't know how to say, Hey, you know what? Talk to her. She's the boss. He didn't know how to navigate that. So, you know, it's been challenging. I've handled it. I hopefully most of the time with grace and humor, there have been other times I know where, you know, I've said things two or three times in a room and been dismissed. And then somebody else who happens to be a man says it. And it's like, Wow, great idea! That can be incredibly frustrating. It can be frustrating yeah. to be overlooked because you're a woman. Um, we still have a ways to go, but I think you know. It, it sounds like Ed, you're doing a great job with with your girls and um, getting them the role models, teaching them to stand up for themselves. And you know what? You have a voice and use it. And and that's that's, I think the most important thing to do.
1: Yeah, that's tremendous advice. And now it's an even inspired your is it is it core to your new podcast that you launched, Uncharted Journeys?
2: Yeah. It, Uncharted Journeys has been a passion project that I've been thinking about for some time. Um and I finally said, okay, I'm I'm just gonna do it. And um it's been I, I have been so humbled because I just launched, I just posted my tenth episode. Um I've got five more in the can and another six scheduled every single person that I've reached out to. And these are some like amazing women with high, high profile jobs who are super busy. And there has not been a hesitation by anyone to say, yes, please, I would love to be a part of the discussion. And it's just about, it's a simple conversation. You know, we, I, I get them on and ask them a few core questions, but it's about them telling their story in hopes that it will inspire and empower and encourage not just other women, but for sure other women, but everyone that, you know what, life's not easy. And the path is is yeah. rarely straight and narrow and, and without bumps. And it's it's learning to over you know, get over the bumps and, and take the turns and accept the opportunities. And when you fall, and you will, we all do, get up, brush yourself off, think about why you fell, take that forward, and maybe next time it'll be a trip instead of a fall. Or maybe you won't even. Maybe yeah. it won't catch you at all.
1: Yeah, that's that's phenomenal advice, guidance, and yeah, I've listened to episodes. I I know some of the folks who have been yeah. uh, on your show. And you must in have listening to Anjali's. Show, oh yeah, I absolutely. Listen to hers, and <laughs> in there, and I think what's great in the mission of cheat codes is, I think what you're what you're doing there is, you're having folks learn from experiences to shortcut any of the 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 men, the mental. Um, the physical um, roadblocks, ho- holding folks back, you essentially can help shortcut a cheat code for moving faster as a, a female a career woman. And um, in, in so doing, you've, yeah, you're servicing all these cheat codes. So I think we absolutely need to put some some links, etc., to your content as well um, that you're producing on that channel. That's phenomenal. Um, thank you for doing that. Thank you for oh. going after your idea.
2: Thank, thank you for listening. It's um like I said, it's I am a firm believer of uh, sharing and and teaching. Um, not to the yeah. point where you you don't provide people opportunities to learn, because sometimes if you give them too many shortcuts, you know that's yeah. not always a good thing. Um, but if somebody can benefit and learn and do better because of yeah. things I've done, mistakes or otherwise, then you know it's it's all there. Like mm-hmm. I'm an open book.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's better. Um, well said than I than I put it. Thank you. Now, speaking of learning, um, uh, content is. I uh, want to double click on that with you now. I know it is very much your um, uh, your passion, uh, your expertise, and want to um, double click on it. Expose some cheat codes. So, let's talk about. There's a little bit of economic uncertainty going on right now uh, in the world. We've seen it before, just a little bit. It's nothing we haven't seen before, different ways. You know, we've had financial crises, we've had world pandemics, we've had um, recessions, we'd have, um, you know, evolving uh, challenges uh, in the world and, you know, brand there's this idea of resilience, you know, and um, s- sort of sailing through these turns. What do you see as, for, for brands, for organizations, content being an opportunity for them in, in some sort of challenging times? Uh, what is that role of content?
2: Yeah, you know, I it's... It's tough because often content marketing and, you know, those related budgets are the first to be cut when companies are looking to save money because they're seen as a cost center, right? So I think one of the big things that I've really been giving a lot of thought of and over the coming months and some of the speaking engagements that I'm doing and some of the writing I'm doing, I'm really going to really push the idea of elevating content beyond as marketing function, as a strategic business function. This is something that organi- organizations need to recognize adds value to who they are and actually is the baseline for which their business is growing. You know, They're not competing on, on product and service anymore um, because it's the experience that draws them in. And so many things are so similar. It's really how you connect with your audience So I think really staying focused on the customer experience, resisting the urge to step back from that, but continuing to invest. I think for those who are doing content, one of the areas we often see that lacks within a content practice is that measurement and being able to show the value in the ROI of content and content marketing, whatever that is, whether it's more MQLs or SQLs, whether it's actually direct engagement measurement, I'm always a bit um, I find attribution a little bit um, of a nebulous <laughs> as a real oh, value yes. um, because it's just too it's just too wishy-washy. There's too many uh, external factors that you can't um, can't play into it. but if that's what somebody's looking for, then learn how to leverage those those numbers. And I think also stream take the opportunity to streamline the content and related processes. Don't just measure external. Um, metrics. So it's not just about engagement and pay view, page views and revenue, it's how often is that content being leveraged internally? Is it being used by your internal comms, your sales team, your product development, your customer service, and really show how the content is providing value across the organization, not just from a marketing and sales perspective?
1: Yeah, that that content with utility, um, that getting the message out, communication, especially with like in sort of these, these times of, um, uh, of crisis, uh, the ability to respond, the ability to reassure. Um, yeah. I've seen brands move from like, I'll call it marketing mode to just send a hug out to your customers that, Hey, the, the financial products you use with us are uh, we were there for you. Um, you know, if there's um, even a, a, in disaster situations, if folks are in an area of crisis, letting, you know, letting them know that um, you know, infrastructure will be supported for their uh, continuity of, of payments and transactions, etc. Um, yeah, content has this really sort of malleable purpose. And I love what you're doing. You're saying... Don't cut it. You know, it's it is the first to go discretionary. Where can we, you know, um, shore up our financials? But if it's elevated at the a very strategic level within the organization, it still is the medium to achieve objectives in good times, bad times. I love that.
2: Yeah, and I I, I think your point about um, empathy, right? Think about it. Your company's going through tough financial times, or whatever the tough time is, so is your audience. So you really need to think about that and that being that audience centric, audience at the center of everything, everything should be done from an outside in perspective. And the more you can push that as the core baseline for all things content, um, the better you're going to be. Uh, and that that can be a difficult thing because if sales are dropping, you know, your, your, your CMO or your, your chief operating officer is going to be, get me more sales, sell more. Why are we not mentioning yeah. our product? Why are we sending a hug out to our audiences? Well, because that's the right thing to do. That's the experience and the emotional connection that you want to yeah. connect. And, you know, it, that can be a really difficult conversation to, to get across, but it's, it is worth going back to the table over and over and over again Till it sinks in.
1: Yeah, it's oftentimes you're put. What you said, doing the right thing sometimes requires putting your quote unquote neck on the line and maybe yeah. burning some political yeah. capital in the process to doing something that you feel is right. Um, and uh, I, I also I love your the title you go by, uh, Chief Problem Solver. I want to double click on that because these brands that you go to, you know, they they have content problems. Um, you know, they're not always, uh, they need their, they need to be put in a better direction. Uh, and I'm, I know you've seen it all. Um, what are some, when we think about content problems, you know, the dimensions of where the problems could be, um, when you see organizations and problem areas, what does, what does, what do content problems look like? Uh, inefficiencies or lack of organization. What's, what are some of the dimensions that you typically see?
2: So there's the obvious ones, right? Numbers are falling, traffic engagement, payview, page views, revenue. You know, search engine rankings. All of those things are are plummeting. The you, your your um, KPIs and and OKRs are not heading in the right direction. Whether they are supposed to go up or yeah. down, they're heading in the opposite way. So that's an obvious sign. Um, eternal if, in, in inefficiencies. So things are taking way too long to get done, approved um managed etc published right agility is essential today it is all about being able to be in the moment one of my favorite and i mean it's it's years gone by now but one of my favorite proof points of that was oreo's dunk in the dark when the super bowl lights went oh, out yeah. and That's they out. were yeah. yeah and they were they were there that was not planned they did not yeah. have that in their bag of tricks that was something that went yeah. you know what let's leverage that it it wasn't about selling the product. It was about, you know, jumping in on a new cycle and being a part of something. Um, and when you don't have, when you don't have the ability to do that because your processes Mm -hmm. aren't working, but also because you don't have the permissions. So I think one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest problems organizations face is this overwhelming desire to have everybody. Okay. What you're doing, there needs to be trust. They're absolutely unequivocally, you know, are you going to give the new person that was just hired yesterday and doesn't even know how to spell your company name the keys to the, you know, to to the big red publish button? Probably not. But when you've got someone who's or a team that's proven, let them try things. You know, the chance of it being such an epic failure that your brand is going to go down in a flaming ball of fire is so slim and you can always recover from it. So know how you're going to recover from any kind of slip, but take the chance, right? And, you know, recognizing that what you're doing is not working is, you know, phase one, but having the courage wow. to solve it is the bigger problem because there's a lot yeah, of companies intellectual- sitting around, you know, saying, oh my gosh, we have a content problem. Very few of them are actually saying, okay, what are we going to do different to try and solve it?
1: Yeah. It's, um, having the intellectual honesty enough to say we're going, we've talked us um, we talked about ostrich syndrome on this show before people know it. Like you've got your head in the sand and you just don't want to pick it up. It's, we got to pick that head up. We've got to look the problem in the face, say it's failing, say we've got a problem. And then that like new, um, sunlight that we shine on it is like the best antiseptic for, for solving some of these problems. Um, and I love, you know, one of the missions of the podcast is to create like extreme self awareness for brands who listen, you know, in a good way, right? Not to shame ourselves. Well, I, I take off the gloves. Like I'm not your holding back. biometrics all day <laughs> and like my steps, but uh, to have quantitative uh, numbers, you know, pulse, uh, you know, the problem. Uh, and you've been on, you've done a future of damn uh presentation that I've I've watched it was phenomenal. Uh, I definitely want to get your take on the future of um you know content. Where do you see I know technologies evolving, um uh, mediums, channels, etc. things are changing. Uh when you think about the future of content, um uh, whether that be the operational side or the sort of at the glass sort of the the feeling of the experience, what do you see in your um, sort of through your, through the lens into the future?
2: So I think from a point of successful future content, it's going to be a couple of things. One, as I mentioned earlier, it's about it gaining profile within the organization. It's not just a marketing thing. It's a strategic org, uh, strategic why, organizational wide imperative. It needs to be elevated to the level from a not out of the hands of the CMO, but co-owned with the COO. This is, it's, it's, it's core operational success, right? It's being able to continue yeah. to tell the story as the organization evolves um, and being able to allow all, from people from across the organization to contribute to that storytelling. Because there's not just one group that connects with the audience. There are so many facets of knowledge within the organization that don't get tapped to be able to tell their best yeah. story. That unless it moves out of the marketing function and into the organized op- to the operational level, um, you just can't tap into that. And I think really, you know, the most creative will continue to win. I look at what's being done out there, some of the 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 chances that are being taken, and looking and digging into new mediums, you know, like Discord and and that kind of thing, and it's just amazing and it's purposeful, it's creative. It's audience specific um, and the, the organizations that recognize the opportunities that lie within that trifecta, I think are the ones that are really, really going to drive um, innovation and in, in what future content will look like.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love what you said there too about like the, the co- entire organization being part of the content uh, strategy because that's almost, it's, it's like a source for some of the most authentic content. You're gonna find, whether that be subject matter expertise or the people behind the brand, I think there's a there's a ton of future opportunity for us to brands orgs be a little vulnerable. You know, your your people represent your brand. Go deeper, go wider. I think that's uh, I'd I'd love to see that future. I'd love to see that future. Mm-hmm. So, Kathy, whenever folks think about the content advisory, you, they want to reach out to you. They, they become so self-aware of their content needs challenges and you, you're the doctor, you know, you're really good at, um, uh, analyzing bringing on, are you bringing on new patients, content patients?
2: (laughs) We are always bringing on new patients.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, what are some of the ways that folks can get in touch with you, follow you, I mean, obviously, um, Uncharted Journeys, which is, uh, you're putting that out there. But uh, in terms of a brand engaging with you, uh, needing some content advisory, how do they get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, so absolutely. If if anybody listening knows of amazing women who have fantastic stories, please reach out to me at unchartedjourneys.net. I am Open to all suggestions as far as uh, future guests uh, for my day job, um, which sometimes is my night job too. Um, Robert and I at uh, contentadvisory.net. so no the, just ContentAdvisory one word dot net. You can find us there. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Kathy McKnight, all one word at the end of LinkedIn, and um, I'll I've got a couple of speaking gigs coming up.
1: Uh, that's awesome, uh, Kathy. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll drop links to. Uh, your your valuable content and thank you so much i mean a true inspiration uh, a leader i'd go to you for advice and so many brands do uh so thank you uh keep on doing what you're doing you've got fans out there
2: well thanks ed and thanks for uh giving me an opportunity to tell my story everybody keeps telling me that i need to interview myself for my own podcast but i think that would be a bit weird so <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much and um as always it's great talking to you
1: thanks for dropping the cheat codes
0: Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I want to thank our guests for their time and everyone out there in a primo land for listening. This episode was written, mixed, and produced by Glenn McManus. Our associate producer is Noah Horberg. Our production coordinator is Izzy Herbst. And our creative director is Sunny Okamoto. Our series is hosted by Ed Briald, And I'm your co-host, Sam Chapman. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us or review us everywhere you listen to podcasts and be sure to keep the conversation going by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss or want to be a guest, head on over to the URL in the episode description and drop us a line. Until next time, thanks for listening.